Good morning, friends. Good morning. Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church. My name is Uyan Kim, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather to worship and praise our God together. Uh, as usual, we invite you to let us know who you are, how we can be in prayers for you, and give you more information about our church. There is the hospitality pad at the end of your pews. There is a QR code at the back of your bulletin. And for those of us joining us online, uh, you can use the virtual hospitality link to click on to let us know how we can be in this faith journey with you. If you're a first-time visitor or relatively new, we especially welcome you. Let us know who you are and let us share our stories with you. It is so good to be together. You could be anywhere, but here we are today. I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Pastor Nathan. Uh, what else should we know today? Absolutely. Um, it is great to be here together. And so I want to draw all the women's ear right now. Listen up. July 11th at 7 o'clock, there's a women's gathering that's going to be in Julia Hall. If you want more information about that, reach out to um, Pastor Jessica. She'll be able to share it all. It's, good. it's just a great time for fellowship, a great time to learning new names, learning new faces. And now, fellas, you think, gosh, that frees me up to watch the Braves. You're right. It does. And you can help support Mary Market. So women, leave that credit card at home. Show them where the link is to Mary Market. Help support this wonderful empowerment ministry that helps buy gifts for families who might not otherwise for Christmas. Christmas is coming. Help us support. I was going to do The Goose is Getting Fat, but I decided not to. <laughs> it's a great song. So make sure that you are able to support the wonderful ministries of our church. Let us continue this time of worship.
let us continue to praise God by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us join our hearts and our voices together as we pray our prayer of confession. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. And hear this good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. <clears throat> the Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 22, beginning with the first verse. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Morah and tell him and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. 
When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham put, put forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My son Joel just finished his third grade a couple of weeks ago now. By the way, I, I always do get permission from my children to share their stories now. I used to not do so, but they're getting older now, and so I need to make sure he's okay with me sharing these stories. I don't know what spawned this moment, but as he graduated from third grade, I just kind of set him down and got on, his, got on my knees, and I told him, Joel, there will come a time when you will no longer want to hang out with me as you get older. Um, you're going to prefer to hang out with your friends far more around being around your daddy, and I want you to know that that's okay. Daddy will always love you. Daddy will always be here for you, and it's going to be okay. I thought it was a nice thing to say to my son. A couple of days later, it's dinner time, the entire family's gathered, and my son Joel started crying in front of his mother, which gets me in trouble, and he said, Daddy, I don't want to grow up because I don't want to hang out with my friends more than spending time with you. This is a few days before Father's Day, but I took the early Father's Day present from my son. Ahana's like, why would you say such a thing to your son and get him all upset? <laughs> I thought I was preparing him for the future, honey. <laughs> Abraham is 75 when he receives a call from God to leave everything that he's known to a land that he's never been. He's promised by God, despite having no children, that you will be a father of a nation. The, the fulfillment of that promise takes another quarter of a century. He is 100 years old when Isaac is born. Can you imagine? how much Abraham loves Isaac, yeah. how much he adores his son. Did you hear what Kevin read today? Did you hear his words from Genesis chapter 22? We read, after these things, God tested Abraham. One of Mark's of discipleship is testing. Testing of what? What are we looking at here? Akedah is a Hebrew word for binding. Binding of Isaac. Sacrifice of Isaac. A son he was finally given after a hundred years. He's called to sacrifice. The first question that we might ask ourselves is this. Why did the ancient writers include this story anyways? Why put it 
here. So much here that we can't comprehend. So much here that violates our sensibilities. So much here that does not conform to our expectations. How can God ask us such a thing to sacrifice Isaac, the culmination of the promises of God for Abraham and all of his future descendants? Wouldn't the ancient writers know that we would be deeply offended by such a thought? That we would be tempted to perhaps look for a different kind of God that is more to our liking, a different kind of God who might be more palatable for our tastes. Despite the complaints, we are offered no explanation. Alexander White, an Edinburgh pastor from the late 1800, he does not try to psychologize or moralize this story of Akedah, but instead he writes, I do not understand this dark dispensation of God all is dark, it's midnight to me. In order for us to even begin to contemplate this test, we must first look at the person that is Abraham. Abraham stands as a prototypical person of faith. Faith as not something that faith as not as a doctrine that ought to be taught, but faith as something that is lived. Faith as a way of being. Here we see Abram called in chapter 12 of Genesis to leave a place that he has called home for 75 years to a place that he does not know. Abraham trusting obediently about the things that he cannot control. Abraham being obedient to a God whom he cannot see. Abraham stands as a witness. When we engage in faith, we let go of control. Faith means to choose to live a life apart from only relying on hard-earned empirical knowledge as glorious and impressive as these things may be. And instead, we choose to engage and live into a life embracing the mystery. We enter a life where we no longer attempt to dictate the terms of our own lives or the lives of others. But instead, we live life just as they are given to us through the highs and lows as gifts. Story is Abraham, his life, and therefore his faith goes against the self-narratives of our world. Self-help, self-health, self-care, self, self, self. So much self goes out the window. For these things are commercial at best, and destructive most of the time. This kind of life that Abraham lives comes at a considerable risk. But when we choose to live a life like this, engage in a life this way, 
It enables us to inhabit a new reality that was previously unperceived by us. While Abraham is known as the father of faith, we might notice as we read Genesis, we are given shockingly little details of his life. Despite living 175 years of life, we're given 17 stories. It's as if the Bible is warning us to deliver us from the temptation of copying somebody else's faith. For each and every one of our faith journeys are unique. It is our own. God is with us still. So much of Akedah, Genesis chapter 22, is informed to me through the studies of Eugene Peterson, who's no longer with us. He writes these words. Today, faith is often cliched into a feeling or illusion or a disposition of a wish upward. An inclination easily disappear by a gust of wind or a distraction of a pretty face. So a way of faith requires a repeated testing so that we can discern whether we are dealing with a living God or some fantasy that we cooked up in a melting pot of lust and anger, envy and sloth, pride and greed. So we need testing. Testing a faith that involves timely rescue from self-deceit, gracious deliverance from our self-delusions, and this test is conducted through means of sacrifice. Sacrifice exposes spiritual fantasy as a masquerade of faith, and with every sacrifice, there exists cleansing of the toxin of acquisition. Life of getting replaced by life of receiving. Receiving the promises receiving the covenants, receiving Isaac, receiving the ram in the thicket. American poet Jeannie Walker writes, sacrifice is as slow as a funeral procession in a rush hour traffic, a sort of word other words pass honking. Sacrifice is as slow as a funeral procession in a Charlotte rush hour traffic. A sort of word, other words, pass honking. Relinquishment is a prerequisite for fulfillment. Letting go of the cramped self-will allows space for the expansive life that God has in store for you, for me, for the church. Sacrifice is the only means of which faith can mature. There's no two ways about it. Sacrifice is the only ways in which one's faith can mature. But here's the good news. Sacrifice is not a diminishment. Sacrifice is no diminishment. It does not result in less joy. It does not result in less fulfillment. It does not result in less contentment. But so much more of these things. 
just in ways that we did not expect. And there's no need to be glib or romanticized sacrifice. The binding of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac stands in protest toward the temptation to be glib about sacrifice. We need repeated reality checks. Are we using God or are we letting God use us? Am I living under God's term or am I constructing my God in such a way that God will be under my terms? Do I serve God or am I a simple consumer testing God to see if this God can be a profitable commodity for my personal endeavors and conquests? So our faith, your faith, need testing. Here's the bad news. We cannot be trusted to test ourselves. We are too full of self-deceit and self-interest. We are too devious to devise ways of cooking the books in our favor, to twist a narrative in our own ways, to serve our illusions of greed, anger, tyranny, ambition, pride, and violence. Do we want God in our own image? Or do we seek to live a life in the image of God as we are created by God? The test will tell us. In the binding of Isaac, Akedah, we witness the truth that we must be the ones to be tied down in such a way that we can be liberated, to live out our faith life, to trust God without any calculations. Once again, Eugene Peterson preaches these words, untested faith is nothing more than a cultural cliche. And to be sure, while Abraham is a veteran of testing and sacrifice, he does not always pass the test. Abraham fails the test and fails often. He failed at Gaylord. Abraham fails the test at Egypt. Abraham fails the test with Sarah. Abraham fails the test with Hagar and Ishmael. But with each test, Abraham is less, left with less of himself and more with God. With each and every test, Abraham let go of self-sovereignty and embraces God's sovereignty, and he does this for over 100 years. And perhaps having done this for 100 years, maybe by now Abraham know and trusts God willingly. And so he goes on this three-day journey to Mount Moriah to do that which is unthinkable, there's a striking similarities between Genesis 12 when Abraham is called to Genesis 22 when Abraham is called. So he went. So Abraham went. Faith means that we put our trust in God. 
Faith means that we trust that God knows what God is doing and that God will work out our salvation. We don't know how God will work out our salvation, but we trust that God will work out our salvation. Mount Moriah is a centerpiece of faith that culminates with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prays, not my will, but thine. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, would you join me in a time of prayer? Almighty God, this week as we celebrate our independence and our freedom, you still remind us that you rule all the peoples of the earth. You are a God of justice who gives us the freedom and the power to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. You call us to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, to reject the evil powers of this world, and to repent of our sins. For you are a God of mercy who forgives sin, changes hearts, and always, always, always loves us. For that justice, mercy, and unending love, we give you all honor, glory, and praise. Lord, in your mercy. God of peace, we confess that we are more ready to proclaim what we are against than to affirm what we are for. We would rather prove others wrong than to listen and learn and seek areas of unity. We would rather fight about what we believe in than to share the good news. And we're more interested in asking you to support our actions than in finding your truth and following it. Oh God, forgive us. Save us from our contentious attitudes. Give us hearts of compassion and inclusion. Transform us more into Christ's likeness. Recenter us in you. Lead us in your way, that the world might learn of you through us. Lord, in your mercy. Gentle shepherd, we have so much weighing on our hearts and minds. We worry about changes in rules and laws. We're dismayed at the continued injustice and violence in our society and around the world. We are sick at heart because not all of your children live in safety or have enough to eat or even a place to sleep. We mourn with those who grieve the passing of a loved one. We ache for those who are ill. And we cry for those who have lost hope. And so we lift all these into the healing light of your presence and name them before you asking for your comfort and your strength. 
even as we ask for your comfort and healing presence, we pray that you will use us to reach those in need. Lord, in your mercy. Generous God, we are grateful for so many of the blessings and the freedoms we have, the freedom to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, all of which are gifts from you. Teach us to use our freedom not to protect and enrich ourselves, but rather to work for your kingdom in which all people are truly free. Lead us in your ways, eager to follow you, not because we are forced to do so, but because out of love and honor for you, we want to. And so we pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, summertime is well and truly upon us, and many folks go on vacation. But I'm here to remind you that the church does not go on vacation. We're still here every Sunday, every week, helping those in need. And the way that we do that, the way we carry out our ministry, is through your continued generosity. So thank you very much.
Generous God, you have given of yourself and we have freely received. Help us who have received your grace to freely give in our turn so that the world might know you through us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
friends, brothers and sisters, offer yourself freely as you've been so freely given by God. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.